0: Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. And I'm really enthused and excited to have Howard Freeman on the show. So Howard is a, uh, he's teaching data science, statistics and program evaluation at Columbia University has a strong passion for health, different perspectives in health. But most importantly, I'm not going to steal his thunder. Howard, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and and to talk about population health, which is really such a a critical issue. Absolutely. Absolutely, Howard.
0: Well, um, I really appreciate your work. I appreciate what you're doing. And obviously, there's always a story behind the person. Maybe you can teleport us back to where it all started in the beginning. You know, and maybe the series of events that went on through your life to to where you're at today and, and to focusing and having a passion for health.
1: So and thank you for that. Yeah, for myself, it's uh, interesting. I, I studied quantitative areas. So I did a master's in statistics, PhD, biomedical engineering. Uh, but then I went to banking and I was mm-hmm. in banking for a number of years. Uh, but I always kept thinking about, well, what can I do that's health related? And so then I eventually moved back over and started doing a lot of work in health areas, uh, in the for-profit sector, working with pharmaceutical companies, some work in the in the, the public sector as well, and then in academia where I teach at the School of Public Health and the Data Science Institute at Columbia University. But throughout that, one of the things that I find you know exciting is the improvements we're seeing in population health, as well as you know our new awareness of the challenges.
0: Mm, I love it. I love it, Howard. Well you know, definitely very well situated and, and to, to have you, um, you know, focus in this area and all the different disciplines that you bring. And so it's exciting to, see, to hear where it all started. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about, you know, um, what has you fascinated about population health today? What's exciting? You know, lots more data, lots more inputs. Um, uh, you know, there's AI, there's quantum now, there's IOT, there's sensors, so much data. But anyway, I don't want to put words in your mouth here. What has you excited about health and population health today?
1: The first thing, which is counterintuitive for a lot of people, is Mm. the reality that on average, people's health has improved substantially, even in my own lifetime. Right. Globally, life expectancies have increased, maternal mortality, infant mortality has declined. Now, obviously, the U.S. has not experienced in the last few years that type of benefit. And we really, you know, we're struggling a little bit. But if you look over the long term, over the decades, there's a really good news story happening. And that mm. news story is related to some of the things that happen in the background. Mm. Sanitation, uh, clean water. It's related to the education. But it's also related to just basic health care. Having mm. the antibiotics available. Having the drugs when you need it. Being able to get some medical care when necessary. So overall, there's a there's a global big picture story that's positive. While, of course, we have to be aware of coronavirus and a lot of the challenges that we see that you know keep happening on a daily weekly or, or annual basis
0: i love it i love it and you know what should be that being said you know lots of different uh, pieces you're touching upon in that in that supply chain for giving good adequate access to health care you know not just in the us but globally as well um since you're in this world of this interesting world of health population health statistics um What should be our mental model for thinking about the world of health? Like, you know, what are the pieces that need to be in place to equate to optimal population health so i'm right there with you not just you know obviously i'm an optimist by nature but i do feel like people are getting healthier all the right pieces are are in place are starting to be in place but what should be our modern mental model for having optimized population health or said another way if you were you know in charge of uh you know the health of the world (laughs) you know what are some things that you would want to see in place maybe some opportunities what would you start stop continue? that's 17 questions in one but yeah, I getting love getting it. Getting it and, and I want to
1: first thank you for the promotion. Uh, uh, you know, I've been put in my resume and I'm now in charge of the health of the world. So that's great. I really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, in all seriousness, you know, for me, there's some great models that already exist. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that frame my thinking. Mm. So there's something called the Wagaduga Declaration on Primary Health. And this is a declaration that came out of uh, Africa. It was signed in the capital of Burkina Faso. And it identifies nine key components for public health that i think are extremely critical they actually build upon the world health organization who had six components and those components are somewhat intuitive things like you need the right human resources you need the right infrastructure you need the right drugs and supplies you you need the right information systems you know back to that whole thing about the data and the analytics Mm. you you also need to make sure you have financing available so a lot of these key areas uh are there what the wagadugra declaration did was say hey we also need community involvement Mm. and they also talked about research and a few other areas so i think there's those great models that are in place and i like to use those frameworks when i start asking well where should we be investing more time or effort what can we do better Mm. and when i think about from a data analytics point of view i'm constantly asking myself What's the population who receives the most benefit from a certain treatment? Which ones are undertreated? And what can we do to address that undertreatment? Mm. Which brings me right back to your great question about frameworks. So when I see that undertreated population, I start asking myself, of those, let's say, nine components from the Ouagadouga or the Mm. six components from the World Health Organization, which ones do we need to address first in order to help these people who aren't receiving the care that they need?
0: Mm. I love it. I love it, Howard. And maybe taking some, and hopefully I'm not giving away, you know, we're not giving away answers to a test you have to administer to one of your Columbia University classes. But um, but if so, you know, you're going to get a couple more A's, right? Or B pluses, right? But um, on the, this, this study, the Wacaduga study on some of the dimensions that are hard to codify, like the community elements, what opportunities or day in the life are you seeing, you know, where, where analytics, data science, statistics could be applied? Like, love to hear maybe an example or two of what you'd love to see more and maybe some interesting data sets that might be so out there. We need to we can just shine a little bit more light and merge some know, data your,
1: sets. To yeah. your point, there's a lot of people who are in more remote areas where it might be more difficult to bring, whether it's a, a community activity or some other type of thing you'd like, but many people still have mobile phones. Many people still have smartphones. Mm. There is data provision in many, many countries, even in r- rural areas, which you might not expect. And so what you find is you're having app-based information that can be absorbed. Also, that feeds forward. So that's information for us. You mm. also have this great uh, opportunity to track utilization, utilization mm. of healthcare services. So instead of having to wait every four or five years to do a population health survey, mm. you can actually start in communicate directly with the public and find out, well, what are their needs?
0: Mm.
1: Also, when you're trying to figure out what went wrong, let's say um, you're trying to do, you know, someone died, and you want to figure out, well, what what are the issues, what are the causes? Well, you can't always have a specialist who's going to come to every person and do a detailed autopsy, but there are app-based, scientifically validated measures that can be taken to get at least some information. Mm. And so that's what we're getting right now is, a lot more sources of information than you had before going beyond traditional data sources. Mm-hmm. You're also having the ability to analyze it because suddenly data storage is in the cloud, it's a lot cheaper, and mm-hmm. the power to analyze the data is so much more effective. And lastly, the algorithms just get better and better. And this right. is really where I think some of the most exciting work is happening. Mm. Things that I was working on that were considered the most cutting edge algorithms 20, 25 years ago, I, you know, we've got high school students who laugh at that now saying, I can't believe they're using this trivial technique. And yeah. I say, well, it was pretty good 25 years ago, but let's learn. And I want that i want that 16, 17-year-old to push the science envelope far beyond anywhere I could right. go. So uh, to me, I that's exciting.
0: It. I love it. Yeah, and it opens up new questions, too. And that's the fun part is coming up with the new questions against the data as well. And so it is very exciting. It's very exciting times. You know, obviously, the premise of what we're talking about is like a lot of these data sets are um obviously with consenting and the right disclosures you know a lot of this data could merge and told great stories but some of it's still kind of siloed i don't know in different ehrs or claims over here and then you got you know people's apple health data and there's a lot of debate obviously in market but obviously getting into controversy or anything like that what do you how do you view these data sets merging or is there anything on the interoperability side for data to be able to, you know, to, to gain its most usefulness, um, or what's your so what's your are, mindset on on, uh, on
1: so a lot different of different countries have different approaches, yeah. and you know, the United States, of course, is a very fragmented system. I talk a lot about that mm-hmm. in Measure of a Nation, as a book I put out a number of years ago. Mm. Um, other countries do not have such fragmented systems, and so they're mm. able to get a very clear longitudinal view of what's happening with the patient, what's happening with the population. Mm. These are usually countries that have universal health coverage, mm. so. You know, if you think about, for example, uh, Korea, uh, they have a wonderful data system where every individual has a unique identifier, and you can follow longitudinally what the conditions are, what the treatments are. The United States, um, we have some linkages. We have some very, very large claims databases, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily link to some of the other information, and so you have to triangulate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when you talk about this, you know, it, it brings in this whole question of, how much do we invest and mm. and that's where we start thinking about this question of what's the returns on investment for health and mm. these are some of the considerations uh, i think we mentioned earlier about ultimate price uh, my new book that's coming out in may that looks at how human life is valued mm. and there i spend an entire chapter discussing in great detail different ways that health care can be measured assessed and prioritized and in different mm. countries they use different metrics It's critically Mm. important because if someone's life is more valued, more money will be spent in trying to keep that person healthy and alive. And if someone's Mm. life is not as much, not as valued as much, well, their health will not be as preserved. So these Mm. are a major focus of that new book that's coming out in May called Ultimate Price. I love
0: it. I love it. And, And in your book, yeah, it sounds like you're hitting upon some really interesting perspectives um, you know, on, on, you know, human value, human life and, you know, accessibility. And so it's really exciting to see. Um, I guess that being said, I don't want you to give away, you know, uh, you know, too much in the book, but, you know, looking, looking more into the future. I'd love to hear a little bit on, since, since you are an author, this is your space. You teach a lot of classes. I love scenarios and I love situations, right? So say like you were put in charge of a, a, a new country that just was coming about and you had to, construct a, a healthcare system from the ground up, let's call that Howard Nation. What would you, what are some things that you would put in place, you know, to, to execute some of your theses? Like, what are some things that you would put in place? Like, would you have an integrated system like a Kaiser, you know, would you have, you know, the payer provider side, you know, what would you, what would that look like? I just love to kind of listen, not to have you tell me a bedtime story here, but I'd lo- <laughs> I just love to listen to a story of like, an illustration of the future, the future of health so- according to Howard. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I'm a big fan of learning from what works, right, um, not, right. not kind of me being so creative because maybe I'm not that creative. But what I like to do is look across different systems and see which ones are having the best outcomes mm. as well as the best return on investment. And when we talk mm-hmm. about outcomes for health,
0: mm-hmm. we're no-
1: normally talking about life expectancy, healthy years of life expectancy. mortalities, whether it's infant, newborn, maternal, those types of things. Mm. And then I look at how much a country is spending. And when you do that analysis, there are countries that clearly are doing an excellent job, whether you're talking about Japan or France or or some of the other countries where they have very high life expectancies and the cost per person is substantially lower than, let's say, the United States. And so Mm. for me, it's about taking those lessons learned. As for metrics, how do you measure that? Well, that's a little bit of a challenge, right? And you know, I discuss it a lot in Ultimate Price, but things like the choice of whether I look at the cost per life saved or cost per disability life year, those actually will have strong implications on whether I choose to save one person or another. Do I invest mm. in one person's health or another? So these are detailed decisions. But my mm. first pass is to start and ask, what's working? And mm. then leverage those best practices. Mm. And as for the metrics on measuring whether it's healthy lives or the value of life itself, these are things that are very important considerations. Things that we we shouldn't treat lightly. Um, mm-hmm. But luckily, they're treated very deeply in Chapter Five of Ultimate Price. So ah, it, I love it. Store.
0: Yeah, we'll have to link to link to the book in the show notes, <laughs> and obviously your previous book as well. And no, phenomenal, and I can't wait to read it as well. And so. Um, Howard, this is phenomenal, and I, I really appreciate your insight and perspectives. Um, one extra question I have that that's uh, that I have is, you know, with your students at Columbia University, you know, looking at data sets and uh, statistics, and just anyone that might be listening to this, that might be an executive or, or you know, an analyst, what's the modern way of, like, looking at data these days? I mean, are you using, like, R spreadsheets? I mean, if you, if you could design and give people, like, a toolkit for in a mindset for looking at data, whether it's related to healthcare or not. What's your, what's your mindset? It's a a great question. Um, I'm still using Excel. So, but I have a team that uses, you know, (laughs) all the latest data science tools. So
1: (laughs) you can go very far in Excel. I wouldn't denigrate it. Uh, That said, um, there's a proprietary software SAS, SAS, that really Mm. dominates uh, very much in many of the health spaces. So it's important to understand and be aware of that one. Uh, In addition, uh, I use R, Python, SQL uh, as part of my regular work. I think it's 2020. uh, If you're really interested in data, you should know a lot of the open source ones. So you should know R, you should know Python, you should know SQL. Uh, It doesn't take that much to become functional. Mm -hmm. You don't have to become an expert. But to become functional, it doesn't take that much effort. There's some great... Online courses for that, mm-hmm. uh, but if you're just dead square zero in the health space SAS SAS is still yeah. really a dominant dominant player and Basic functionality in SAS is also saying it doesn't take too long to learn. Uh, they have educational licenses So these are things that they're readily available and you can learn them.
0: Awesome. Awesome. No, this is this is great Howard I really appreciate it and uh, 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 one of the last questions I have for you is uh, obviously we don't want to date this interview too much but obviously lots going on in the world always right but what's what's something you do you're in health you've looked at health what are some rituals or habits that you do on a weekly or daily basis that keep your engine going help, help you feeling optimal safe calm you know and just feeling good overall
1: great question so um, when I wake up first thing I do I do a, a little loosening exercise mm-hmm. and then I do Tai Chi Nice. I walk to and from work. That's, uh, that's approximately two and a half miles each direction. And then when I get nice. to work, I drop down. And then with my right arm, I do 300 push-ups. With my left, I do 250. Um, i got to work on that one a little bit. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, everything but the push-ups is true. So um, uh-huh. Tai Chi is a daily practice for me. Doing a little kind of loosening up stretching is a daily practice for me. And I do walk to and from work every day, which is two and a half miles each direction. Nice. Uh, and that seems to do uh, okay for me. I'm almost fifty years old. I, I think I'm doing okay.
0: Nice, nice. Well, Howard, this is great. I really appreciate. It. Um, you know, it's great, great to see you, like living, living what you know, living the speak or living what you talk about. And it's really important. To, you know, movement obviously is super important. But uh, Howard, this was great. Um, my very last question for you is: if our listeners would like to get a hold of you, reach out to you, buy your book, or just say hi, give an amen. What would be the best way to do so?
1: Oh uh, well. Certainly would love to connect with people on LinkedIn. Uh, I do have a Twitter feed as well. Uh, If you just Google my name, Howard Friedman at Columbia University, you'll be able to quickly find the Twitter feed and LinkedIn. And those are great ways to connect with me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And to find my book,
1: it's going to be very easy. University of California Press, ultimate price available at bookstores everywhere, as well as uh, Amazon, any other independent bookseller.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Howard, we'll have to link to it in the show notes. And um, so a couple things I just want to say, it was really great to hear about your origin story, your background, your passions in health. And you gave us some really good mental models, right, about thinking about analytics, population health, personal health. So very rewarding and enriching. You know, this is better. You know, these episodes for me are better than, you know, five cups of coffee, of course. But um, <laughs> Howard, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This was great.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Take thank care. You so have a much. great day.
0: You too.